Hey, good morning again. Like Jesse said, I'm a pastoral intern here, and I love being a part of our community. I really also love our series, Like Jesus. Um, if you're anything like me, you probably did things, maybe in middle school or high school, to, to be a part of something, right? And, and we're influenced by the world we live in. For me, it was 16 years ago, I walked into Barbers on Main in Cambridge and asked for a haircut. I affirmed the person, said, nope, yep, this is what I want, and I walked out looking like this. Yeah, yeah, take it in, take it in. Um, I'm not sure what the bangs were for, but see, I wanted to be like hockey. Turn it off, you know. <laughs> Bring it back and turn it off. I got mixed messages. Um, I'll probably keep it in a photo. But I, I wanted to be like hockey. I figured a mullet would make me more like hockey. But with Jesus, we can't walk into a barbershop and come out looking like him. We can't walk into church Sundays and always come out looking like Jesus. And I love how C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity, and he says this, if you want to get warm, stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, get into the water. And if you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. And that's Jesus. We have to get close to and even into Jesus and allow Jesus to be in us. I'm going to challenge us, you and I, today to invite like Jesus. Jesus invited his disciples to be along in his journey. He said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. But I think Jesus probably could have done his whole ministry without his 12 disciples. I think it would have been easier, actually. He wouldn't have to put up with the arguing of like, no, no, Jesus, I want to sit by you. I'm, I'm going to sit by you. No, Jesus, hey, do you love me more? Like, you got to love me more than this guy, right? His travel time would have been quicker, too, because Peter didn't make it very far in the water before, like, falling in. Like, Jesus could have been like, I'm taking shortcuts. I'm going across this lake, going across the sea. But Jesus wanted to invite them into the relational Father. Jesus wanted them to experience what God was up to. And that's why he said, come, follow me. And then throughout his whole ministry, Jesus showed him the love of his Father he showed him the power of the Holy Spirit. And before he heads up into heaven, he says this in John chapter 14. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will even do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. His disciples wouldn't have been able to hear those words. Jesus wouldn't have been able to tell those words to them if he didn't first invite and say, follow me. And I believe that we can invite like Jesus. And we, as Mercy Vineyard, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that we can be set free from our shame, from our sin, from our addiction. We can have a life that Jesus offers. And we can be transformed. We're going to look at a story, and if you have your Bibles with us, you can open them up to John chapter 8 or on your phones. If not, we do have the verses on the screen. And Jesus is inviting a woman to a life free of condemnation. And I'm going to be reading from the message because I really enjoy how it translates this story. And we're picking it up in verse 3. 
said the religion scholars and Pharisees led a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They stood her in plain sight of everyone and said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses in the law gives orders to stone such persons. What do you say? They were trying to trap Jesus into saying something that could incriminate him and to bring charges up against him. And then Jesus bent down. He, he writes in the dirt with his finger, and he, but they kept badgering him. They kept at him. He straightened up. And he said, the sinless among you, go first. Throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. Hearing that, they walked away one after another, beginning with the oldest. The woman was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her. Woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? No one, master. Neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way. From now on, sin no more. You ever been caught doing something? <laughs> I know I have. I'm in the middle of five. I've been caught so many times as a kid, my siblings telling on me of things that I've done. One of the times I've been caught was a couple years ago, and I know my experience is much different than some of yours, and I, I want to acknowledge that. But I was driving to a chiropractor appointment. I had my two little ones in the car, Lila and Aiden, and we were going to meet my wife there. And I was running late, and like a normal person, you, you speed. You go faster to make it there quicker. So I did that, and then I didn't slow down fast enough when I saw the police car. Yeah. I saw it turn around. I heard the sirens. I saw the lights. And there, pulled over. Caught. After all that got taken care of, I ended up being a little bit later to the appointment, and then I had to go to the bathroom. So I quick got in there, and I said, Julie, here, here's the kids. I got to go to the bathroom. As I'm drying my hands, I'm hearing some commotion. I come out there to hear my three-year-old explaining to my wife and the ladies at the desk how a policeman turned on his lights, had the sirens on, and told dad he was going too fast. But I was only facing a ticket. And yeah, it was only two people that Lila was telling that story to. That woman, though, she had a bigger crowd facing her with stones in their hands. She was about to face a death sentence. She had far more shame, far more guilt, far more regrets, far more thoughts racing through her mind than I did when I came out hearing Lila explain the story. Then Jesus, Jesus invited her into a life free of condemnation. For those who've been in church a really long time, you know this verse. It's in John 3.16. And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, and he's explaining why God sent him, why his father sent him. And he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was sent to save. Jesus goes on to explain how, though. Like, we have the why because we need saving. He goes on in the next verse of how. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. <laughs> 
Notice in that story, Jesus didn't go, yeah, you, you, you messed up. You got far more things against you than just the adultery. Like you're living in sin. He didn't do that. He invited her into a life free of condemnation. And we live in a broken world with broken systems, with people that are struggling with guilt, addiction, shame, people that are struggling knowing if they can live with freedom and joy. But it starts with an invitation, an invitation to have that experience with Jesus. And I love how 2 Corinthians 3.16 shares what that life is like. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, the covering is taken away. The heart is free where the spirit of the Lord is. The Lord is that spirit. Other translation says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Friends, we have that freedom in Christ. And we get to invite others to that freedom. So the first way I'm going to challenge us to invite is simple. It's to preach. Yeah, I got your attention now, didn't I? You're like, hold up. No, not doing that one. Here's what I mean by preach. We all have a stage. It doesn't have to be a stage on a Sunday morning. It's a stage in your everyday lives. I learned this firsthand last summer. I was uh, teaching fifth grade. I was also working part-time at the Coon Rapids Costco gas station. Super exciting part-time job. I get to help fill up vehicles, deal with the lines, help with the membership cards. Um, but part of that job, if somebody needed help filling up their car, they would honk. They would just honk their car and wave. So if they were physically unable to, to fill up their car, or if they honestly didn't want to get out in the cold Minnesota winter, like they would honk and wave, and we'd just go, yep, here you go. And we'd take their Costco card and their payment card, and we'd fill it up for them. There was one lady, though, she had, like, the worst-sounding horn. I don't know if the horn was, like, going out or depleting, but it was terrible. And me, being a broken person, I associated that car horn to the person. Her car horn's annoying, so now she is annoying. Anybody done that? No, just me? Just me. So I, I just found her annoying. She would give me her card. We wouldn't talk much. And then I was talking with a coworker. And she was sharing how she actually enjoyed helping out people. She goes, I don't think my mom ever got to experience something like this, or my grandma. Like, I get to treat them like they're my mom and grandma. And then I thought, I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> um, I'm not treating this annoying car horn lady like she was my mom or grandma. And that changed my whole posture. So I started to get to know her. I found out her name was Gretchen. She worked at a Cub Foods and she also helped distribute COVID-19 vaccinations. And I, I got to know her just through small talk. And I also found out she was alone a lot. And then came time where I had to stop working at Costco because I was going to be starting up school and there was just a lot of things going on. And my coworker let Gretchen know. And I didn't know that. And then all of a sudden she hawks her annoying horn. This time my posture again has changed. I go, hey, Gretchen, how you doing? She's like, I'm doing good. And then she, like, kind of paused. She had tears in her eyes, and I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? She goes, Elliot, why me? 
why did you treat me with kindness? Right there I realized that at a Costco Coon Rapids gas station on cement floors, four-minute conversations, that I can impact somebody's life. That what I say, what I share, how I act and treat her can change somebody's life. And they're left wondering, what, what was so important about me? Prince, you and I, we are created in the image of God. And I needed somebody to remind me to treat someone like their mom or grandma. Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 14, and he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns because that is why I was sent. Jesus went to different towns to preach. You and I, we, we have different places we go, whether it's Trader Joe's or Aldi or at the bank or at a gas station. We are constantly preaching the good news. And St. Francis of Assisi, he shared this, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. I had no idea that those four-minute interactions showed her the good news that I was preaching. It wasn't on a Sunday morning, on a stage, but it was at the gas station. So you and I, we can continue to preach the good news by how we act and interact. And one of those ways is without condemnation, with grace. For the introverts in, in there that are like, yeah, the preaching that, that's not me, that's okay. You can also share. Share. There's statistics out there of TikTok. If you have TikTok, I'm not one of those people. But TikTok in 2018 had 28 million users in the U.S. 28 million. 2019 came around. It increased just a little bit to 55 million users. It doubled. Uh, and then 2020, up to 105 million users just in the U.S., I know some of you are thinking, you know, Elliot, that's actually only 375% increase in three years. That, that's not that much growth. That didn't, that, you know, everything grows that quick. No, it, it grows that much because people invite others to it. You show a video of, look at this. You share it in your context in a text message or with interactions. You share that. For me, I, I love sharing about food. If you can't tell, food. I can tell you where to go and what to eat because I've experienced it. But with God, I, also hold, I often hold back on sharing my experiences with God of how God showed up in my life and about a bill that I didn't know we'd be able to pay or about something that an interaction I had with somebody. And honestly, a homework assignment that I've done is like, oh, wow, God, you really showed up. And I love how Amy shared as she was doing worship, that we, we get to praise God. And when we praise God to others and share what God's doing in our lives, like it impacts them. Just like when people invite others to TikTok, it grows exponentially. And I think about that woman that Jesus interacted with. And he said, I don't condemn you either. I don't think she walked away the same. I don't think she continued to live her life the same way. 
My guess is that everywhere she went, she told that story. She told the story of, you have no idea how many people were there. Like, I saw the veins on their hands ready to throw that stone. And then Jesus shows up, and, and he, like, he's writing in the dirt something. I don't even know what it was. But then he looked at me and he said, I don't condemn you. You have a different life than this one. You're not guilty. It's because of my love for you that you are set free. Her ability to share that with others, I'm guessing, transformed lives that we don't even know about. And for me, I know I'm guilty. I know that I have things that I need forgiveness for too. And I know that God has shown up in my life that I can share with others, that I can encourage them of how God helped me through some really difficult times. And that can impact them. That might lead them to go, you know what, I, I might want to talk to Elliot, or I might want to talk to Scott or Evan or Tom about something that happened in my life because I know that they've gone through something hard too. I also don't share all the time because I assume. I assume, you know what, they don't want to hear about Jesus. Or I'll assume uh, they're actually a little too far gone. They sin a lot. They were actually wearing a Packers jersey last week. Like, I'm not going to share with them. They're like gone. But there's a guy in the Bible. His name was Saul in the New Testament. And Saul, his job was to persecute Christians. And he took it serious. He went around destroying the lives of Christians. And if you want to talk about somebody too far gone, I would think it'd be him. He's going against everything that Jesus stands for. And then God meets him. He doesn't condemn him. He doesn't say, you have so much stuff going on. He invites him to a new life. And Jesus changed and transformed his life his name is now Paul, and he wrote a ton in the New Testament. And Paul experienced that love, free of condemnation, that love that set him free to write this in Romans 8. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height or depth, nor anything created, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nobody that God is not going to go after. There is nobody that God is not going to look for and find and try to transform and set them free. And we get to be a part of that by sharing what God is doing in our lives. We get to be a part of that by preaching where we are. And we have to do it without condemnation. We have to do it with this grace-filled posture. Third way we can invite is into community. Matthew chapter 8, or chapter 28, I'm sorry, says, therefore, Jesus is telling his disciples Kind of this great commission. Like, this is what I want you to do, disciples. Listen up. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. 
And remember that I'm with you always to the end of the age. The disciples didn't go, you know what, Jesus, I love that. You know what, let's, there's 11 of us here, let's, let's do two small groups, let's start discipling each other, and we're just going to have this huge discipleship group, and maybe we can meet every other week with the, the 11 of us again. No, they didn't do that. They went out. They went out into different communities, building relationships with them to invite what God has for them to invite them in that same love. And those disciples, they weren't perfect. They had their own problems too. But they still knew that because they were saved, because of Jesus' love, that they could go and preach the good news. And I know I have people in my lives that, that I can invite to community. And I heard stories of some of you that invited people to the Easter egg hunt that was out last weekend, just bearing the elements of Minnesota spring, winter. You guys invited people that didn't go to church to this egg hunt. That's an incredible way to invite people to community, to doing something fun. And here at Mercy, we have different events that we can invite them to. We can invite them to our small group or to a book study. We can also invite them to mercy for the first time. I have a lot of what ifs when I think about inviting somebody to church. What if uh, they say to me, um, I don't trust church? What if they say to me, I, I actually, uh, Sundays are not good for me, like just they don't work for me? What if they say, you know, Elliot, I tried church and I didn't like it? Then thinking through those, of like, yeah, those are totally rational. But how can I respond to, to that? They say, I don't trust church. I can ask myself, do I trust church? You know, no, I actually don't trust church. I trust God. My faith is not in the church, it's in God. I come to church on Sundays for my faith and my relationships to be impacted because the community of people here can encourage me to grow deeper in my relationship with God. Here, I, I don't trust church either. And that's okay. It's okay for you not to trust church. I'd rather you trust in God. Uh, you know, Elliot, um, Sundays, I don't, I, Sundays, I, it's kind of a good family day for us. We enjoy spending time with us. Hey, I understand that too. We do have an incredible kids ministry and students ministry where your kids get to have community with one another. They get to play with each other and they get to hear the love that Jesus has for them. But Sundays still aren't good. You know what? That's okay. We do our messages online. You could actually probably come over on a Monday night and we could have some appetizers and watch the message online together and eat and have community. That's an option. And that might be less intimidating for somebody to hear the good news first. Another thing, too, we have small groups that happen often. You can go to our webpage of the small groups, of when they're happening, what they're doing. We have a new moms group where they get to support one another. We have a men's group on Saturday mornings that connect and grow in community with one another. It doesn't have to be necessarily a message for them to start knowing that God's for them. Because the seed gets planted when we do that. And then the last one of, you know, 
I tried church and it wasn't for me. I actually got hurt by the church. I, I, don't, I don't like it. Hey, that's all right too. I understand that. We're, and mercy, we're a church full of broken people and we don't try to be like church. We try to be like Jesus. We try to have messages where we can walk out knowing we can be like Jesus, not like other churches. We get to be like Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Oh, Amy, yeah, a little bit quicker. But mercy, (laughs) no, not that quick. Mercy, we are a church. We are a church that loves. We are a church that wants to be a part of community. We are a church that is in our community where we are helping out the school down the road, Northeast College Prep, of helping out with their testing, of having volunteers there. We have an opportunity to invite into that too of like, hey, our church, we're helping out at the school. Do you have an opportunity to just hang out and be a part of community? We're a church too that believes that you and I, we can live a life free of condemnation. And that starts with inviting free of condemnation. We can't be pointing fingers of saying, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. On your Connect card, in a little bit, uh, we're going to have our welcome team come by and, and send some baskets. But would you do me a favor, fill out all the information you feel comfortable with. But on your next step, how are you going to invite like Jesus? Is it preaching? Is it knowing the stage that you are in, the interactions that you have at your workplace, at the grocery store, at a gas station? Are you going to preach and using words when necessary to invite them into a life free of condemnation? To have them wonder, why, why me? Are you going to share? Are you going to share what God's doing in your life? Maybe, maybe it's a prayer request of like, I actually want, need to share some things that I need prayer for so that others can be encouraged when they hear how people have surrounded you in prayer. Is it inviting the community? Inviting them to either mercy for the first time or to a small group or to uh, something that you are doing? And the and we also have, when the baskets come around, if you brought a, uh, your offering or a special gift, you can put that in there as well. But I want to challenge us, again, to think about that woman who is facing condemnation from everybody around her. She didn't have a choice of who got to hear her story. But Jesus did. And he invited her to continue on into a new life free of condemnation. And that all started because he invited her into that. 